Welcome to Animorphs Anonymous, the podcast where we casually discuss the Animorphs one book at a time. I'm Casey. And I'm Alex. And we're going to talk you through the plot of each book. But more accurately, take you on tangent trips, factoid forays, and say, well, actually, as much as possible. Join us on the 1st and the 15th of each month, and we'll take you along on our mission. And we promise to have you back under the two-hour time limit. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a grave announcement to make. Incredible as it may seem, both the observations of science and the evidence of our eyes lead to the inescapable assumption that those strange beings who landed in the Jersey farmlands tonight are the vanguard of an invading army. Should we talk about kangaroos? I would love to talk about kangaroos. They're like terrifying dog men with tails. That's what you think about kangaroos? I don't know. Have you seen like... A male kangaroo's chest? It's horrifying. I tried to pet a wallaby like two weeks ago. What? Where? <laughs> I got within like three feet of it at no. um, a really shitty zoo where you can go in and fuck around with wallabies. Oh. Like one of those like roadside zoos where the animals are really sad? Um, no, it's, it's like a, it's a, a real zoo. It's just really small. And like they have like a, a park area where they like... You can go through the special set of doors and do, like, a walk through the Australian outback. And they oh. they have, like, kangaroos and wallabies loose. But it's too cold for the kangaroos. But I guess the wallabies were still okay. So they mm. were still outside. And we went over and we're like, let's try to pet these motherfuckers. And everyone's like, do not try to pet the wallabies. But we were the only ones there. So we're like, we're going to try to pet the wallabies. Oh, dear. And um, we didn't because they didn't want us to. Not The wallabies? Yeah, the wallabies didn't want us to. Gotcha. I respect no one's opinion but the wallabies. Yeah, is what yeah, I'm saying. Know. That's fair. Uh, what did you think of this book? <laughs> oh my god. Um, I really liked it, honestly. Yeah. I liked it. It was fun. It was a fun book. It was super fun. I really liked this book too. Like, I think of it fondly whenever I think of it. And I, I read something online a while ago talking about, like, oh, this is such a dumb book because of, like, partially where it comes in the series and, like, partially because it's, like, she just goes on this, like, adventure and then nothing comes of it. Like, there's no there's no advantage to it. There's no reason for it. But I <laughs> love this book. Yeah. And freaking Cassie is apparently... Like, she has so many books where she's just off on her own without the others. Mm-hmm. Have you ever noticed that? Like, oh, she's, yeah. like, fucking, like, Karen, she's, like, by herself most of the time. She's by herself most of the time with the Buffalo Man book. She did that whole fucking book by herself with the sickness. Wah-ah-ah. And, Wah. like, holy shit, like, she's just, like, got it covered. Yeah, she's a badass. Apparently, man. I, I think I would have earlier in my life really enjoyed Cassie a lot more had I just read through the entire main series as it was published because she gets like not better she's always good but like she does so many badass things as the series go on Mm -hmm. it's like she's just so cool I love her (sighs) and I love this book and I love the Australian adventure and I'm extremely excited about it yeah it's it's not what I was expecting for sure, like, 
because in the beginning, it's like the mission. It's like, it's very linear, right? There's no, mm-hmm. like, we had the first mission, we broke to go to the barn and discuss our plan. We tried something, it failed, so we did this and blah, blah, blah. Like, that's kind of the formula for the books. This one was right. a straight start to finish, like, okay, I guess we're going, bye. It was. It definitely was. And it was, um, there's a lot of stuff in it, too, that, like, I thought was, like, really intense for a Cassie book. Mm-hmm. It, it was a lot of, like, yeah, we appreciate your morality and, like, you know, you, you we know you have to, like, do this and blah, 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 and you'd normally contemplate this, but also get it done in five seconds or else you're fucked. <laughs> yeah. And I really liked that kind of time crunch. Mm-hmm. And she calls that out. She's like, I have to, I've had to make a lot of decisions in my life. Some have been good, some have been bad, but I had to make them, like, immediately. Yeah. And she keeps, like, repeating that throughout the book. And, yeah. <sighs> um, yeah. Was this book ghostwritten? Yes, it was. Okay. It didn't say in my PDF. It was ghostwritten by uh, Lisa Harkrader, who we have not seen before. Okay. Yeah, didn't sound familiar. But I thought she did a freaking awesome job. Yeah. And having just edited the Rachel episode. Oh my god. <laughs> I will be saying Lisa Hargrader's <laughs> name with only the greatest of uh respect, I guess. I kind of feel like we should have switched that you should have done the Jake book that I hated the most and I should have done the Rachel book that you hated the most. Yeah, we probably we had to, like, should have. We had to face ourselves in those moments. <laughs> Do you think oh. we grew as people? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't think I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Lisa Hargrader did great. I'm yeah. very happy she was here. She did a good job. It was a nonstop goddamn thrill ride. Mm. Ah, I just love it. Me too. Uh, so do you want to talk about it? Because I, I took so many notes. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's do it. Okay, cool. Yeah, this is one of those books where, like, every chapter that I was taking notes on, I'm like, don't forget this detail, don't forget this detail, and now <laughs> we're eight fucking pages in, so... <laughs> wow, nice. Yeah, so let me read through it. Uh, this book opens with Cassie flying around the airport as a seagull, She's scouting out these two guards, marines with semi-automatic weapons strapped to their chests, and men in oxygen masks that are loading something onto a plane. And she keeps calling out, like, anybody, come help me. Like, nobody's responding to her. And she sees a red tail in the distance and she, like, tries to get his attention. And she's like, Tobias? And, like, no response. So right from the get-go, it really feels like, oh, God, she's completely alone and she's a seagull in this is- terrible, terrible situation. It's kind of weird because normally they're pretty organized, but it seemed very disorganized in this first mission. Yeah, definitely. And also, I wouldn't think that an airport would be too big of a distance for them to be able to thought speak across. Yeah, I'm not sure what the rules are with that. Well, if they can like fly, like, because they'll talk about when they're soaring and they're each like half a mile apart and they can still like hear each other. Yeah. It's like, how big is this fucking airport? I don't know. But anyways, there's like a few things like that that I'm like, well, that's a discrepancy, but I don't know, whatever. And also it, then again, it's kind of explained coming up, maybe. I'll tell you my theory in a second. Okay. 
Okay. So she like nobody's responding. Um and a few seconds after that, this car comes screeching across the tarmac of the airport and Cassie starts following it because it's heading right back towards the airplane where she was just scouting before she like wheeled away to find people. Um so she's suspicious of this car, this black car, and she's like, Oh, I bet they're controllers and uh the fact that there's controllers here all but confirms that there is part of this crashed bug fighter that they're loading onto the plane which is what they suspected they had when they were doing this thing um so she's like okay i'm pretty sure that they have this let's do this and so all these men start unloading from this black car there's a man in a suit with a bald spot on his head that seems to be the leader of this little gang and he goes to like poke his head in the aircraft carrier and take a look around but the marines are like Dude, back off! What the fuck do you think you're doing? We have guns! And he does not seem to care. Um, And also, they're taking, like, you know, strict precautions with the guys wearing the air masks that are loading it up. They're trying not to, like, spread any alien diseases. So they clearly suspect what they have. Um, And then the Marines are like, dude, we're under strict orders. We cannot let you in. And he's like, well, I'm CIA. And they're like, we don't give a shit. We have orders not to let anyone in. And he's like, well, then I guess I'll have a higher ranking Marine come down and tell you guys to stand down. And they're like, do that. Definitely do that. (laughs) (laughs) So it's pretty great just from the get go. (laughs) So the the CIA guy controller goes to make a phone call. And Cassie is like, I'm on my own. I'm completely unarmed. I am a seagull. What do I do? So she swoops down low over this guy who's trying to make this call and poops on him. And the guy's like, Andalite, right away. And he starts whipping around and trying to fire his gun at Cassie, who's dodging. And she's like trying to book it to get away from there. She's like, oh, I'm for sure going to be shot. There's nowhere to hide. And then the bullets stop. And so she turns around and she can see that the Marines have their weapons trained on this guy. And they're like, drop the gun. And he's like, I'm CIA. And they're like, drop the gun. And then the guy starts firing on the Marines. So the Marines dive behind a section of the plane, trying to like scramble for some cover. And then suddenly a baggage cart comes careening into the middle of this gunfight, like wildly all over the place, shit (laughs) falling out of it. (laughs) And then an angry grizzly bear jumps out of the back. (laughs) Yay! Yay! So yeah, I think probably they weren't responding because the whole team was morphing and could not respond. And then they just didn't. <sighs> that was my guess. Um, something I was confused by um, mm-hmm. is that Cassie was trying to get the Marines and the CIA guy to like argue with each other, kind of. By, oh, like, yeah, yeah. Using thought speak to be like, oh yeah, I fucking hate Marines. They suck and they smell. And I'm like, how is she making this this voice thing happen? She's like a little girl trying to sound like a grown man. Yeah, they, those Marines just fall for it. <laughs> they hook, line, and sinker are like, this guy's calling us a wimp. And also, like, they did use the word wimp. And it's like, what guy in the CIA is going to be like, you're a real wimp instead of like, you fucking dumbasses. Like, well... Yeah, I feel like he would have used a stronger word had this not been a kid's book. (laughs) (laughs) True. But I love that the thing that really pissed them off was when the CIA guy said that, like, I should have gotten somebody from the Air Force. Yeah. And then that's what pushed the Marines over the edge, because there's, like, apparently such a rivalry between all the branches of the military. So I, I just found that to be hilarious. I thought that was hilarious as well. And I, I liked that after that, she makes some comments, like, when the guy's like, we should have gotten the Air Force, and, like, 
the Marines just kind of rolled their eyes and look, looked affronted. And she's like, great, a Marine with some self-control. And it's like, what does that mean? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Why is Cassie throwing shade at the Marines? <laughs> yeah, there, so much happens in these chapters that, like, I left that out. And I was like, it's not strictly yeah, no, necessary. Not. So Yeah. Let's get back to the part where Rachel busts out of a luggage cart, because that's amazing. Yeah! Oh my god, the the just mental image of an angry grizzly bear, like, bursting out with suitcases, like, flying out <laughs> after Like, here's Rachel! <laughs> it was just the perfect entrance, honestly. Like, this is how I want to see... If we ever get the Netflix series of Animorphs and in yes. the, like the initial like teasers of all of them morphing for Rachel's, I want to see if I'm going by like the one that already came out, but we're just doing a better version of it. Like her overlaid with the scene of the grizzly bear jumping out of a luggage cart with all <laughs> of the suitcases. It oh my would be God. amazing. <sighs> they are doing a Netflix show, aren't they? I don't know why I forgot. Uh, no, they're, they don't have any show yet. Um, as of right now, we have the, uh, um, audiobooks that are coming out, like, for 1 through yeah. 10. Yeah, we know there's a graphic novel March. in the works. Mm-hmm. The graphic novel's in the works. I mean, I feel like a show's not far behind, and I kept forgetting if that was real or not, or if I just made it up because I want it. <laughs> you just made it up, but yeah. still. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I hope they do it. I think it, because of the nature of the series, I think it would just be very difficult. But then again, they just did the Golden Compass, so... Yeah. <sighs> Get Lin-Manuel Miranda on Animorphs. Oh my god, speaking of Lin-Manuel Miranda. Um, yes. I really want to see In the Heights. Have you seen a trailer for that? I have. It looks amazing. Yes. Oh my god, I got really excited for that. It was in front of Cats yesterday, and I was like, I want to see it! It looks like a better version <laughs> of Rent. Um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that's all I have. Okay. I was just waiting for you to start singing Memories again. Nope, nope, I'm not gonna do it. I'm out. Okay, okay. Anyways, yes, <laughs> let's get Lin-Manuel Miranda on Animorphs. Yay! Let's do it. I'm gonna start a letter-writing campaign to the McElroys and be like, get Lin-Manuel Miranda on Animorphs. Use your clout. Persuade your friends. Use use your... Listen, you have talked about Animorphs on My Brother, My Brother, and Me approximately two times that I remember off the top of my head. <laughs> it's time to pay it back. Yes. Make it happen. <laughs> you got into Trolls too. You can make this happen. Yeah, you got into Trolls fucking too, and we're not even asking you guys to do anything. This isn't your time that's going to be wasted. It's Lin-Manuel Miranda's, so make it happen. Yay! I'm going to fucking tweet Travis right now. Pause the podcast. I'm going to tweet Travis. Oh, my God. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Back to what we were doing, which was talking about this book. The rest of the team follows Rachel out of this luggage. <laughs> and Marco was driving, suitcases. which is amazing. Marco's driving. Of course Marco's driving. It's great. Everyone loves when Marco drives. Yep. So they're all in their usual battle morphs, except for Axe, who has gone cheetah, because as Jake puts it, when Axe complained about his tail being good for balance but useless as a weapon, he goes, they don't need your blue furry self all over the cover of the National Enquirer, which, if I remember correctly, is a magazine where they yeah. just talk about, like, horoscopes and fake news and stuff? Yeah, and aliens and this celebrity has two heads or whatever. 
It, yeah. And, like, why Oprah Winfrey is a clone. Yeah. Yeah, basically. It's a tabloid. Yes, perfect. But, like, a really obnoxious tabloid, if I yeah. remember correctly. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. I read them sometimes in Trisha's car. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she hands them to me, like, here, entertain yourself. And I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> okay, good. I'm glad I remember that correctly. That would be hilarious. I would love to see an Andalite on the cover of the National Enquirer. Yes. I'm surprised that Axe, because I feel like when he's not Andalite, he usually goes, like, um, snake. snake. Yeah. Yeah. So I was surprised he went cheetah, but I guess that was ultimately better. Because he probably doesn't want to kill anybody. Why, Casey? Why not? Why doesn't he want to kill anybody? Because he's a good boy. (laughs) I don't know why I made you responsible for Axe's moral quandaries, but here we are. (laughs) (sighs) So anyways, they fight their way through the CIA controllers. Rachel takes out the guy with the bald spot who is shooting the gun while telling Cassie, like, by the way, we're all going to pool our money to send Marco to driver's ed. (laughs) (laughs) As she like wipes out this fucking lead controller such a badass (laughs) then marco just starts grabbing these guys when they're unconscious or like debilitated he just starts shoving them into cargo bins and like flipping them on top of them like you stay here and you stay here (laughs) it's great and they're like banging on them like let us out and he's like here's another one (laughs) oh my god oh fucking great i love marco Um, I do, too. (laughs) He's so good. Uh, Finally, there's only the two Marines left, and they have their weapons drawn, but they are not firing. They realized at some point, like, hey, this crazy zoo is on our side. And Cassie goes, that was too easy. And this whole time, she's been looking for a place to to demorph and remorph and trying to, like, hide, but she's not finding anything. So she's still Seagull, and so she and Tobias start wheeling up over this plane. And a second later, right after she goes, well, that was too easy... All of these controllers are on the roof of the airport, and they start firing these semi-automatic weapons down at them. Way to jinx it, Cassie. I thought you said way to jinx it, Cassie, and I'm like, what did Jake do to Cassie? (laughs) I missed. What the fuck? (laughs) Uh. Uh, The series where I go deaf over time. Nope, it's all good. I wonder if you can audibly hear me aging throughout this series. What did you say? If you ever get up and you go, well, I got it. I did that the other day getting out of my chair. I put my hands on the arms of my office chair and I was like, (laughs) Scott's like, what are you, 200 years old? (laughs) Hey, dad. (laughs) Listen, we all can't just morph and heal all of our injuries all the time. Some of us have to live with our scars. Uh, Dude. Uh, no, I'm not going to bring it up now. Bring it up. I was like, what if every time they morph back to human, they just like reset their own timelines and they like have to age from that point on? Yep. So, yeah. Yep. Really? That's a thing that's, I don't think it's mentioned in the main series, but that is definitely something that there's been a lot of conjecture about. And, like, these kids are literally slowing down the aging process because yeah. they keep, like, every two hours that they're in morph, they go back to how they were at the beginning of it. But, uh-huh. like, multiply that by how many hours. Yeah. Oh, yeah. no. Oh, no. Oh, no, no. I've been wondering this for a while. 
Yeah, that's totally something that they they talk about all the time. Oh, no. They being the fandom. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, totally. They're wow. Stunting their own growth. Okay, I fucking mean... battle at the airport. Let's do it. I'm sorry. No, don't be sorry. So now, battle at the airport. There's police cars that are speeding in at them. And Jake is like, great, the controllers will back off. But they don't. And then they're like... Fuck, all of these policemen and the guys shooting at us are all controllers. This is a huge army. We are getting fucked. And Jake's like, mission aborted. Get the fuck out of here. And Rachel's like, what? The chunk of bug fighter's right there. We could get it. And Jake's like, if we get that chunk of bug fighter, we are not getting out of here alive. Just get the fuck out of here. And Axe is like, okay, there's like a spot over there we can demorph. So they all go charging off towards that spot, including Cassie. But as she's, like, getting out of there, she notices that the Marines are now returning fire towards the police. One of them gets hit in the shoulder, and Cassie's like, fuck. And then she's like, but I gotta, like, demorph, get out of here. And then she hears one of the controllers say, eliminate the humans so we can recover the bug fighter. And Cassie's like, nope, that's it. Can't stay out of it. So she wheels back around and starts ordering the Marine to stop firing and thought speak. And he's like, he hesitates and stops. And then he starts again. So she's like, again, she's like, stop firing. And so he stops and she kind of comes in close and he sees like, oh, it's this bird talking to me. And so he goes, why am I taking orders from this bird? And why am I listening to it? And so he turns around and starts like lining up another shot. And so Cassie like dives in and right as he fires, she crashes into the gun. His shot goes wild and she goes spinning down to the tarmac. Um... So Cassie's wings completely mangled by this gunshot. She can hear the bald guy, the bald spot guy saying, that bird is an andalite, we have to find it. And Cassie uses her good wing and her little flipper feet to drag herself under a baggage cart and start to demorph. And she gets too, like, child-sized and kind of humanoid, but, like, she's still got feathers and a giant fucking seagull head. So I, I feel like the first thing that started morphing was her arms. And that mm-hmm. just reminds me of all those pictures of birds that have human arms morphed or, like, <laughs> photoshopped onto them, and it made me laugh. I love those, and also the drawings where it's, like, a tiny bird that's super buff. Yes. Like, especially the ones where they're flying and they're just flapping their buff arms on the <laughs> body. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, I follow that subreddit, birds with arms. Yep. Or is it arms with birds? Who knows? Oh my god! Anyways, yeah, so her arms definitely start demorphing first. So she's a bird with arms for (laughs) a good minute there. (laughs) Yeah, and a giant fucking seagull head, which is hilarious. Yay! Uh, So anyways, uh, when she thinks no one's looking, she starts running to get back to that spot where they could all demorph and get out of there, but she is spotted. She only has a few more yards to run, but then a controller steps out in front of her and starts leveling a gun at her. So she backtracks a bit. There's a luggage cart between her and the controllers. And so she's like, fuck it. I guess I'm doing the Marco thing and jumps into this baggage cart and starts driving it away. And she's like, somehow my driving was worse than Marco's. So she's only half morphed at this point. It sounds like she has a like generically humanish body with feathers and just a large seagull head. Uh, and she did this to disguise herself. Yeah, because she didn't gotcha. want them to think she was a child. Okay, I couldn't figure it out while I was reading. I'm like, why didn't you just fully more? But now it makes sense. Yeah, she's like, she just morphed her drive in appendages. <laughs> gotcha. That was it. So weird. 
so fucking weird. But hey, whatever. It so you know that sorry, this is derailing, but I've been playing Pokemon Sword. Good. So you know that um that like luchador eagle Pokemon yeah. that walks around the wild zone? That's what Ta- I was imagining. Haluchia? Yeah. Yeah, Haluchia. Yeah. That's what I was imagining. Was that guy dragging her like wings and like strutting around? <laughs> Cute. Sorry. That just I love that guy. I don't yeah. even think I've caught him yet. I just love him. He's great. Okay. Anyways, so back to this this police chase that's now happening because we are literally watching a low speed chase at this point. Basically. Cassie, basically. Cassie's driving around. She almost hits the controller. He has to jump out of the way because she's so bad at driving. She sideswipes an airplane strut, which is probably delaying like a thousand people and that plane's not getting off the ground for like a <laughs> year now. And like baggage is flying everywhere and the police are chasing her she's like doing some really cool like u-turning moves like blah, 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 like swerving and going under planes she shoots under a low plane and the police cars don't have enough room so she realizes like i can buy some time if i go over the bottoms of these planes and so she just starts doing that and the policemen have to like drive around so then she gets out into an area where there's no small planes to drive under so she pulls a tight u-turn sending more baggage flying and a particular garment bag lands on the windshield of one of the police cars and so the guy kind of swerves and he like reaches around to grab the garment bag off of it, but it prevents the other cop car from being able to turn and take after her, like go after her. So she like ends up getting away, getting towards the 747 where there's a cleaning crew. She's like, okay, it's probably empty. She slams the baggage cart into the staircase that's leading up to the plane because she's like, ah, fuck, where are the brakes? Boom. And she does get hurt, but she's like, whatever, I still have to get up there. So she runs up the stairs, leaps over this gap that she's created by crashing into the staircase, gets into the plane, runs to the back of the plane, locks herself in the bathroom, and she can hear the controllers behind her, like, searching through the plane. So, fucking intense and amazing. And I loved this. Yeah. It was so cool. Okay. So, continuing on. There's so much plane in here. I didn't realize how much of this book was plain. I remember it, most of it as Australia, but literally half of this book is plain. I looked at the page numbers and did the math. Nice. This book is plain. The math. Yeah. I did the maths. Plain talk. Half half this book is plain talk. <laughs> so Cassie starts demorphing as fast as she can. She can hear the controllers searching through this plane, but luckily they started with the cockpit. So they're, like, tearing everything apart. Like, she can hear the seats ripping as they're getting closer and closer to her. So she's going human and then immediately to fly. And she's almost fully to fly when somebody grabs the bathroom door and they're like, it's locked. And so they just start shooting through this thin door. She tries to go down the sink, but there's a plate covering the drain. She can't get out, like, lift it up as a fly. And then a controller's about to open the door and another one stops him and goes, hey, don't open that. They probably went to insect or something, so we should pump in some bug spray to make sure they don't just, like, get out of there when we open the door. And Cassie's like, holy fuck, how do I get out of here? So she realizes the bullet holes are the way to go. She zips out of one of them, but somebody sees her, one of the controllers, and tries to swat at her. She dodges and he misses, but barely... And then they spray her with a blast of bug spray and she gets coated. So she's trying to like fly over the seats so they have to lean over and can't get to her easily. And she's going as fast as she can towards the opening, the open door of the airplane. She manages to get out of there and just falls. And she falls onto all of the baggage that she had crashed on the baggage cart under there. 
And she starts to try and demorph because she knows if she stays as a fly, the the poison's going to kill her. And it's all clinging to her and she can't stay small. So she's becoming this weird, like, golf ball-sized and then, like, baseball-sized fly and clinging to this golf bag. And the controllers miss her on the first round. So they grab the golf bag and, like, toss it aside, searching through the baggage for her. And then they just continue to, like, pile bags on top of her. And she tries to focus on becoming human, but the poison eventually overtakes her and she just blacks out. Yay! (laughs) Fucking intense, right? So, Cassie wakes up. Her head is throbbing. She is confused. She is crushed. And she's like, where the fuck am I? (laughs) And slowly, it starts coming back to her, like, oh, shit. Am I a fly person? I did not make it back to human. Fuck. And then she, like, lets out a groan, and she's like, okay, that actually came out of my mouth, so that's a good sign. Then she reaches to the back of her head, starts feeling around. She's like, no antenna. Also a pretty good sign. And uh, that's about when she's like, okay, cool, I made it back to humans somehow. And she realizes, like, I'm really hungry and thirsty. Should I go through these suitcases to find things? Also, it's cold. And then she's like, no, I guess I'll just sit here being cold and hungry and thirsty because (laughs) I can't go through people's suitcases. Oh, my God. I was dying. I was like, fucking do it, man. Yeah. You're on a plane. Yeah. It's in the She's like, I've done enough today. Oh, girl. (laughs) Done enough damage. Yeah. Silly girl. It's like, just go through people's shit. You can, like, put it back in their suitcase. They're never going to know. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, But she doesn't. Uh, Yeah, so she's like, fuck, I don't want to be a thief on top of everything else I've done. And then she starts reading luggage tags. She's like, I want to find out where we're going. And she sees that they have SYD on them. And she's like, what is SYD? Is this South something Dakota? Oh, my God. (sighs) (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 42 Um, Wallaby Way. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Anyways, she also smells some oranges, which she doesn't immediately go, am I having a stroke? Instead, she (laughs) finds the oranges. (laughs) This is where Cassie and I differ. I would lay down being like, I'm having a stroke. Good night, everybody. (laughs) I mean, she's, you know, 12 to 13 years old. and You say it like I wouldn't do that when I was (laughs) (sighs) 12. That was the problem with all of the chicken soup for the whatever soul books coming out is like a lot of the ones there's a point here. I didn't just go off the rails. Give me a moment. (laughs) So like all of the kids ones were about the kids friends having terrible, unlikely diseases. So like if I was there, I'd be like, I smell oranges. I'm having a stroke. And then I'd be like, well, just like the chicken soup for the kids soul book, I guess this is where I die. Like the children in the stories, in the chicken soup stories. But, 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 I don't know. Do they make those still? I think so. I never thought about chicken soup for the soul as a cultural phenomenon, but now I'm wondering and I have so many questions. There were so many books, it had to be a cultural phenomenon. Yeah. And like, I remember them being at like every like corner drugstore. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. There's yeah. two parts. There's some books that had two parts, like Chicken Soup for the Horse Lover's Soul 2. Yeah. I don't know. I never read them. I read a 
couple. I think people would just, like, buy them for me. Because, like, I never went into a store and was like, I would like to read this sad book. Yeah. But I think, like, I'd get them for, like, birthdays and stuff. Aren't they, like, technically self-help books? I don't think so. I I mean, they're books that have, like, lessons to be learned because, like, one of them in the kids' book, which, by the way, now that I'm recounting this to you, this is another book that should never have been read by kids. One of the (laughs) stories in the kids' book was about a pastor's son or something, or, like, maybe the pastor was saying it and it was just teenagers at the high school, but they were driving around in a car, leaning out the window and, like, dicking around with throwing, like, nylon or rope out the window And one of them got caught in the axle of the car tire and came up and wrapped around the kid's neck and killed him. They were like, so don't dick around in cars, kids. Gotcha. Oh, man. That's like the stories they used to tell us in elementary school. It said, don't stick your head out of the bus window because one kid hit a tree branch and his head fell off. Yep. Yep. There's that one. There was one about, like, always be nice to kids because this one kid died of leukemia. Oh. It's like, you never know what others are going through. That's okay. We can't teach kids lessons about not being jerks unless someone's life is on the line? Question mark. Those, I think, were the ones that stuck with me because it was like people dying in somewhat violent ways. There were some about like, you know, so-and-so came over to my house and they stole my moccasins. And like, then I went over to their house and saw my moccasins, but they denied it. But because I'm the bigger person, it's all cool. And then you have to walk a mile in the other person's moccasins. I guess that's the moral of the story. I don't know. <laughs> There's uh, some about adoption. Those weren't about death. Okay. Like, but this is your tummy mommy and this is your love mommy, heart mommy? I don't fucking know. What? Haven't you heard that? Like a. No. That's like, it's become part of like today's lexicon, I imagine, from the chicken soup books because that's where I first read it. But like. I, but also, again, I was not worried about adoption when I was, like, six or seven years old. It was not the forefront of my mind to find the, the PC way to talk about adoption. <laughs> but if it were, <laughs> yeah, it was, like, something, like, there's your tummy mommy and then your heart mommy. And your heart mommy's the one that, like, loves you. But then oh, also... I see. Uh, some, yeah. And there's also some shit, like, and your other, like, your tummy mommy loved you enough to give you up for adoption. I don't know. It's It's been, like, 20-some-odd years since I've read these uh, books. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah. this is. Whenever anyone says tummy, I'm like, tummy equates to stomach in my head. That's not where babies come from, you ass. Well, I don't think they were, like, your placenta mommy loves you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um... Yeah, there was one in the, sorry, just to bring up the topic of death again. There's one in the horse book, too, where it was, like, a guy was out riding on a trail, and it was talking about, like, how assholes, like, would rent horses, and, like, these two guys that didn't know what they were doing came, like, galloping past him in the other direction, so his horse spooked and had a freak accident where there was, like, some mud on the trail, and he slipped, and his, like, back legs went two different directions, he broke his hips, and he had to be euthanized, and then hummingbirds came and visited. Okay. That was it. That was the story. I don't know what the lesson is. Like, don't be an asshole while trail riding, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Uh. But it was told from the guy whose horses died perspective instead of... It doesn't matter. From the horse's perspective? Well, from the horse guy. Oh, okay. The horse died. They couldn't tell from his perspective. So like a Black Beauty situation? He starts narrating his life? 
No, it was just like, this is an old cow. In fact, it wasn't even from the guy that was riding the horse's perspective. It was from, like, somebody at the barn who he was close to because she was the one that had to be with the horse when they euthanized him because the guy was too upset. So, like, she stayed with him and then, like, got the horse's halter and, like, brought it back to... Like, he was at the farm, but he didn't want to hold his horse when they euthanized it. So, like, she got the halter and took it back to him and, like, part of his mane and tail and... Okay. Why why are we breaking I this down? I don't know. I don't even know how we got on this topic. I have no... Well, it was chicken soup, but I don't remember how we got to chicken soup. Yeah, that's soup. what I mean. Oh, no. Cassie, oh, eat the fucking oranges. It's fine. She doesn't eat the oranges. She's like, no, I will be a good child and not steal oranges. Cassie. <laughs> oh, my God. And, like, they make her go through the thought process of, like, no one would know if I took just one. And I'm like, yes, exactly. Yeah. Take one. Fucking do it, man. <laughs> oh, whatever. I am morally compromised. Cassie is not. <laughs> She's like, I do enough bad shit in my life. I'm not putting this on top. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I love that. I love her idea of, like, listen, <laughs> I've. I have caused the death of so many people today that I will not steal the name of <laughs> My karma is already shit. I'm not doing yeah. this. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, I will take out an expenditure of 200 karma dollars, but I will put that five cents back in. It's so easy, though. See, see who the oranges are addressed to. Take as much as you want and then, like, memorize the address and then send the money later. It's fine. Listen, with the food waste the way it is in this world... More than half of those oranges are probably going to go bad before anybody eats them. Oh my god, right? You're helping. You could morph a rat and then eat the thing and then just be like, well, I guess rats ate it. It doesn't help your your <laughs> guilt, but, you know, it gives you plausible <laughs> deniability. That's true. Oh, that is true. Fuck. Anyway, it's fine. It's fine. She'll just starve to death because she's a good person. And freeze to death because she won't take clothing that she can just return when the flight's over. Yeah, okay. It doesn't even matter because, like, a second later, she realizes that all of the noise around her has stopped. And then there's, like, a green light flashing through the cargo hold. So it's, it doesn't even matter. Yeah. It's just a moment of weakness. I'll continue. So Cassie realizes that the Yerks must know that she's on the plane because they're x-raying it somehow. And then she tries to stand up, but her legs from, like, the knees down were paralyzed. And she's like, oh, shit, there's, like, some sort of industrial fan blocking me, but my legs were unshielded, and that green burst of light must have frozen everybody in place. She's like, fuck, what do I do? And she's thinking about, like, I want to go small, but then she just hears Rachel's voice pop into her head. And she's, like, hearing Rachel saying, well, do you want to be killed by a can of bug spray? Why don't you go big instead? And so she, like, uses that momentum to be like, okay, what would the rest of my team do? And she's like, well, none of the boys would ever be caught in this situation because they're clever and careful. Rachel's clever, but she's never careful. And so she's like, I will do the Rachel thing and go big. Um, And then she's another really cute moment where she's like starting to to morph and then she goes i wonder how many enemies i'll have to fight and then she hears axe's voice in her head go two there's not much space in that plane so she's like oh axe is helping me too in my time of need i loved this i loved it so much okay sorry i i just loved it so much i had to call it out because it was so cute and i loved it i feel i feel the rachel and cassie friendship in this book 
Me too. Like so much. Uh, okay. I So the last chapter is the one I took the most notes on, even though it is like the least important to the story because I loved it so much. So I will, I'm going to tell you <laughs> all about it when we get there. Yay. <laughs> oh, okay. Anyways, sorry. So Cassie is morphing to polar bear. Yes. Yes. Um, and the Yerks at this point have opened the door to the cargo hold. And there's two Horkbizer that kind of clunk clunk onto the metal thing and are, are starting to look around. And when Cassie steps out from behind the crate where she's morphing, her claws make this amazing sound. Like she steps down, it's like chunk as like her heavy weight <laughs> and claws hit the floor. It's amazing. And the Horkbizer turn to her and Cassie just starts roaring. And they're kind of frozen, like, fuck. And then she grabs a crate and just slides it into them and knocks them both out of the cargo hold. And she can hear them screaming for a moment, and then it just fades away to nothing. Meanwhile, the taxon pilot is, like, looking at her, and so she starts to, like, you know, ponder towards him as a giant fucking bear. And the taxon pilot, like, freaks the fuck out and, like, scrambles for the control, pulls the ship away from the door before Cassie can get to him. And this breaks the seal that the tractor beam was creating, and all of the cargo just starts getting sucked out of the, the freaking side of the airplane. R.I.P. everyone's luggage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everybody's luggage just starts, like, out the door. <laughs> And Cassie is sliding towards this open hatch. She's, like, resisting as much as she can, but it's not working. So she grabs, like, a net that's attached to the wall, and both of, like, the the hooks, like, go on that. This thing just, like, tink, tink, like, flies off into space. So she grabs a crate that's coming by, and, like, she's holding onto this crate that's sliding, and then the crate starts to, like, swing around, and she's trying to dig in and stop it, but she can't. Like, all of the tendons and muscles in one of her legs starts tearing because she's using (laughs) so much force. And the crate just starts slowly sliding towards this open hatch. And then Cassie feels something poke into her and realizes, oh, it's the handle on this on this door to slide it back into place. So she lets go of the crate, grabs the handle, and with all of her strength, pulls it and tries to close it. And she just barely gets it into place. And then she calms down for a second and looks around this internal cabin area, which now is like, half the shit is gone and the (laughs) other half is like (laughs) spread around oh no (laughs) i know (laughs) oh god it's so good oh and they do make mention now that all of those oranges that she did not eat are now mushed up on the floor in like some giant pulpy pile (laughs) scuffle so should have just eaten one i guess yep don't cry over pulped oranges yep don't cry over spilt Split, spilt, orangas. 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 <laughs> Papayayas. <laughs> <laughs> Avocadoo. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> uh, so Cassie starts looking around and like looking at all the shit that's like fucked up. And she's like, okay, well, this is like, maybe I'll find some clothes now because they're everywhere. So what do I do? And she's like, well, this is, like, mostly, like, older or warmer weather stuff and, like, mostly, like, shit that she can't use. And she's like, okay. So then she starts looking around. She finds, like, this control room area with a hatch up to the main cabin. And she's like, this will be convenient. I am starting to form a plan. So she unlatches the door but leaves it closed. 
And then goes back into this main area where she's like, okay, got to set up this scene. So she scratches out like the floor and the side of the, where the hatch is. And like, just basically tries to make it look like she got sucked out of the plane, but like fought as best she could. Yeah. Um, and then she demorphs and she just starts looking through people's clothes. Like, uh, sorry, we're kind of fucked no matter what. So I'm just gonna like search for whatever. Um, eventually she finds a suitcase that has an old man's sweater in it with two bottles of partially frozen prune juice on top. And she starts looking through a few more bags. She finds some mints and then a box of slim fast bars. And so she hides under the industrial airplane or God, the industrial fan that had protected her before and creates a little nest out of this like sweater and like slim fast bars and prune juice. I love this. It was very cute. I fucking I really like stories about like survival and foraging mm-hmm. and just like having to like work with what you have and gather enough food and clothing and stuff. So I really liked this chapter. I see I like I love those stories as well, but I also liked like how this was just such the kid version of that, right? Mm-hmm. Like she gets a really big sweater and, like, you know, just kind of curls up in this little spot. Yeah. She probably could pockets. have found a book or something or, like, a book of crossword puzzles. Probably. Probably. But, no, she was like, I'm going to take a nap instead. Good idea. Yeah. Very good idea. Especially if you've finally gotten cozy. Yes. It's definite nap time. Also, you're on a 20-hour flight to Australia, but you don't know that yet, so it's fine. <laughs> you think you're still going to sell something to Dakota. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Cassie. She was so innocent in this book. (laughs) So not innocent. Okay, this is part of what Mm. I fucking loved about this book, is the pendulum between so sweet and innocent, and then these horrific decisions. Like, yeah, 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 that happens in every book, but, like, you don't feel it as much with Rachel and Jake, because they're more... Compromised. (laughs) Yeah, well, like, Jake, like, is more... He has to make so many adult decisions that he's just more of an adult, and, like... Tobias also knows all of, like, the factoids ever and is, like, a tortured soul. Rachel just doesn't give a shit. Like, she'd read SYD and be like, who gives a fuck where I'm going? No one cares. Just gotta figure my way out of here. Like, yeah. Yeah. I just love that. Like, this was really, I don't know. I really felt like the kid version of Cassie in this a lot of the time, which I don't think we normally Yeah. Speaking of, swinging the pendulum the other direction. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) So Cassie bolts upright wide awake because the green light that freezes everybody is traveling through the plane again. She Once it dissipates, she runs towards that hatch that she undid, praying she has enough time. And she can hear behind her the clang of the door opening and then the two hork like thud thud on the metal floor, followed by a softer thud. She pushes against the hatch, but it is not budging. And then she hears a female voice saying the sensors are picking up movement. And Cassie's like, fuck, sensors? Oh, no. So she pushes again as hard as she can against the hatch. And it opens. And what had happened was that the stewardess had stopped a beverage cart on top of it. And Mm -hmm. so when Cassie had pushed open the hatch, it rolled the thing back, knocked it into a frozen passenger, and, like, knocked the cart sideways and left some wheels spinning. So now they know exactly where she is because they heard this whole commotion. Right. So... Quick question. So everyone on the plane is frozen, mm-hmm. but are is their perception of time also frozen? It's gotta be. Yeah, because like before when Cassie roared, I'm like, so are they just frozen and they heard that? Or, you know, does to them, does it just feel like nothing and no time has passed? 
It's got to be like no time has passed. Otherwise, like I feel like when she was undoing the hatch, all the passengers would be like, what the fuck was that? Like, yeah. that happened to you too? And instead it was just like normal beverage service resumed. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, Sorry. that Go. was that was my read of it anyways. No, I know I was wondering like the same thing, but I think with all of like the the context around it, I was kind of like, yeah, they it has to be like you're completely frozen in time as well. Cool. Continue. I will. <laughs> <laughs> so Cassie busts into this main galley area and the Horkbusher are right behind her because they knew where she was. She grabs the coffee from the frozen stewardess, pours it down the hatch so that the Horkbusher are delayed like another second or two. And they just start like recklessly firing these Draken beams up into this hold area. So Cassie's bolting and she's like, what morph do I do? Where do I go? Where do I hide? And she looks around at all the frozen passengers that are just staring straight ahead. And she's like, okay, I just got to sit down and pretend to be a passenger, which I thought was the plan from the start and then thought maybe I was just remembering this part of the book and thought it was the plan. Because I definitely thought this was the plan from the get-go was to, like, Uh not be frozen, run up there. And I was like, well, why did... She could probably just be frozen if she just, like, snuck up there and sat down. Yeah. I I could see why you didn't want to be frozen, but I'm just saying. Yeah, well, I don't know. She didn't... Whatever. So now she's pretending to be frozen. Um, she was also really worried about the Horkbusher noticing that she wasn't wearing shoes, which I feel like most people on, like, a, a transatlantic flight like this, like, yeah. take their shoes off. Yeah, for sure. Like, don't put them on the seat in front of you or anything, but, like, if you want to, like, loosen your shoes, no one's gonna blame you. Unless your feet smell. Unless your feet really smell. Then I'm gonna blame you, because we are stuck in a tin can together for 20 goddamn hours, and you should put your shoes back on. Oh, no. I hate (laughs) it when people fart on airplanes. It's like, I know you can't always help it, but also, like, we all have to breathe this for the next several hours. No. Uh, Oh, no. I mean, I've been on a lot of airplanes, but this is the first time it's occurred to me that somebody would fart on an airplane. It's never happened to you? Oh, no. It sucks. No, no one's never farted close to me on an airplane before. It sucks real bad. And it's like, I'm sorry. I know you can't always help it, but just please try not to. Oh, my God. (sighs) Well, this is distressing now. Hooray. Sorry for bringing that visual into everyone's minds. No, it's just now you've probably cursed me. Like, now this is probably going to happen to me every airplane ride. Oh, no. Look what you've done. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's it's okay. If it happens, I'll just be like, Casey said you couldn't do that. This is it, on you now, buddy. It won't kill you. It'll just be unpleasant. I mean, there's so many things on an airplane that are unpleasant already. <laughs> yeah, the whole experience is not... Uh... Yeah, except for that cheese plate. Oh, yeah, that was great. Yeah, that is great. But otherwise, yeah, if there's babies, if there's slow-moving people. Uh, Okay, sorry. Speaking of bad behavior on a plane, Cassie steals a blanket, throws it over herself. Horkbridger bursts in through this hatch, followed by a woman in a tracksuit and sneakers holding a big game rifle. Wow. What the hell? This woman is amazing. (laughs) She, I seriously, she's like one of my favorite characters of all time. <laughs> okay, and let me tell you exactly what I was picturing. Okay. Sue from Glee with a big game rifle. Holy shit! Oh my god! Right? That's amazing. Right? Oh, I love, I love 
so good. I loved Sue. So good. Me too. She's in the the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and I've been thoroughly oh, enjoying. Her oh character. my god, fun! I forgot what the, the actress's name was, but I love her so much. Uh, Jane Lynch. Jane Lynch. That's right. Yeah, she's delightful. Yes. So Jane Lynch on a plane with a big game rifle and two workers. <laughs> I get to see her voice spread out in the search for him. <laughs> We're going to shoot all of these passengers. It's not even something she wouldn't say on Glee as well. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay, Netflix, if you ever make a show of Animorphs, please cast Jane Lynch as this person. Yeah, Jane Lynch is this person. We've said it. We will obviously write in if this doesn't happen. Okay, cool. We did it. (laughs) We've done it. (laughs) Uh, she starts telling the Horkwager to, like, stop shooting, you idiots, you're gonna kill us all. And then she's like, start searching the cabin. So Cassie's sitting frozen in her seat with her eyes forward, trying to not move a muscle as these Horkwagers start tearing this cabin apart, looking in overhead bins and smashing them and under seats, and they're, like, toppling people over. And the Horkwager finally get to Cassie's row, and they're, like, banging stuff around her. She's trying not to jump as, like, they pull down the overhead bin and smash stuff up. And one of them looks right under her seat and, like, shoves her legs aside. And so she goes toppling into the guy next to her. And then they, like, continue past her. And they didn't find anything. And so they get to the back of the plane finally and they're like, it's all clear. I don't know what to tell you. And the woman's like, okay, search up front. And then she turns around, looks at all the people in the cabin. She goes, hmm, the Andalite could be hiding under our very noses. Then she's like, listen, you guys, set your Draken beams on low and start shooting all of the passengers. Oh my god. Which was like, oh my god, genius, right? Like, yeah. it's bad, but genius. Yes, for sure. Oh my god. I was so delighted. Sorry, I, there's something about having, like, an intelligent enemy that I appreciate so much more than, like, a dumb enemy. Like, Taylor had tenacity, but I was mm-hmm. really... A couple of times in the last book, I was like, that's a really dumb conclusion that you just came to. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas this lady's like, ugh, super smart. She's so smart. Oh my god. She's like, it, it. she's just so badass. Like, and this is terrible what they're doing, but she is so badass mm-hmm. for thinking of that. Because like, any other controller in any other book, for the most part, would have been like... Well, guess we didn't find anything. Let's get out of here. Yeah. Oh, so badass. I like that. I love her so much. This is my favorite controller. Probably. <laughs> probably of all time. Like, not one of the good guy controllers. You know what I mean? Like, yes. not like Aftran and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, this yeah. is like one of my favorite evil people of all time. <laughs> and it's Jane Lynch, so. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> okay, so Cassie's watching these Horkbizer come down the aisle of passengers, shooting everybody on low power. And the coolest part of this is she can smell their slightly burning flesh. Ew. I know, They're just right? going to wake up and be like, ow, what the fuck? They're, yeah. Can you imagine, like, all of a sudden everybody on this plane feels sick? This airline's probably going to, like... Think about how much money they've lost on this flight. They have to pay to replace all the baggage. They have to pay to replace the cargo. They have to pay all these people who got sick on this flight because every single person is going to be like, I feel like shit. What the fuck did you do to me? Yeah. They have to. This this flight is a write off. (laughs) Um, Maybe it's like a Northwest flight and that's why they don't exist anymore. (laughs) (laughs) 
find an airline that got shut down and be yeah. like, this is exactly why. Yep. <laughs> oh, my God. So the worst possible scenario would have been if they did, like, Lufthansa, because they would have been so fucking mad. Mm-hmm. Like, that is that is an airline that is, like, beyond all other airlines. They would have been so pissed. Like, they'd go down and they see all the claw marks in the cargo hold, and they would have been like, Voss is das! <laughs> <laughs> Oh no. So <laughs> Anyway, I'm so sorry for all of that. Everything I just said, I'm so sorry. Oh no. Boss are toss. <laughs> Hurt by my own words. <laughs> okay, so anyways. The Horkies are shooting their way down these aisles and Cassie's like I it never in a million years will I be able to sit still. And also, I was just thinking of Rachel in this scenario where she's like, I'm just going to hold still. I'm just going to fucking take it. And Cassie's like, I've been shot before. I'm not going to be able to do this. Yeah, yeah. Rachel would totally oh. just take it. She'd be like, I can stay still. Fuck it. Yeah. How bad could it possibly hurt? Come yeah. at me, you assholes. Oh. Anyways, so the Horkbusher gets to her aisle. And the first thing he does is lean over her to shoot the guy that's next to her. And Cassie, moving only her hand and nothing else, reaches up and touches the Horkbizier, and he flinches, and then she starts acquiring him, and he relaxes as the trance takes over. Oh my god. So, yeah. So she's acquiring him, and I don't know what her next move was, but it doesn't matter, because what happens is that the last second she sees that the Draken beam that's in the Horkbizier's hand that she's acquiring... His grip went loose, and it's about to fall down. And so she reaches for the Draken beam, but it's too late. It clatters to the ground. The other Horkbizier turns around, sees movement, and just fires. And he ends up vaporizing the one that Cassie's acquiring. Jeez. And so she throws herself to the ground, grabs the Draken beam. She's trying to, like, back up under the seats. The other Horkbizier is running at her, and she fires, thinking the gun's on low, like it has been, stunning all these people. And she ends up vaporizing this Horkbizier into black mist. And she is horrified yeah oh my god but she has no time to dwell on it this was like one of the first times where she's like i just got to keep moving i cannot think about this right now so she runs towards the front of the plane and that's when the woman controller blocks her off and she goes oh how clever hiding as a child it almost worked and then the woman levels this fucking big game hunting rifle at her (laughs) which is amazing oh my god (laughs) And, like, Cassie desperately is trying to distract her. She's like, oh, I thought Visor 3 said you're supposed to bring me in alive. I'm sure Visor 3 will understand, you know, how a simple cabin search got so out of hand that you had to shoot me with a big game weapon. And the woman kind of, like, is having one of those, like, do I, don't I? Like, and then she slackens her grip on the gun just a bit and Cassie just dives past her. Is like, fuck it. I got to take whatever chance I have. She grabs the handle of the side of the aircraft, pushes the door open, and just jumps freely into the open air out oh of this my airplane. God. She's so badass. Uh. <laughs> oh, my God. So badass. Oh, my God. I, it's so cool, right? Uh, the, the suction... From the- well, that's it was stabilized. That's why she had to. Oh, jump. that's right. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because oh, yeah, the they were in two tractor beams, so like it was totally stabilized. It yeah. was just Cassie. Like I gotta be brave enough to jump out of an airplane. Yeah. Oh, 
Oh my god, so cool. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love her yeah. unashamedly. Yeah. I keep apologizing and then saying I love her unashamedly. <laughs> I'm not ashamed. Sorry, I keep Do you feel like it. you're betraying Rachel? No. God, no. Like, <laughs> okay. It's, uh, Rachel loves nothing more than her best friend in the world, Cassie, would do anything for her. And I do not feel any shame in seeing how badass and loving Cassie just as much as Rachel does. <laughs> She's so cool. <laughs> <sighs> and then it gets terrible again. Yeah. <laughs> So Cassie dives out of this plane between the bug fighters that are holding it and the tractor beam stabilized, and she is falling towards the earth. She does still have the Draken beam in her hands. One of the bug fighters sees her falling, breaks off while the other one's still holding the plane, and she's like, fuck, he's coming after me. So she's like, I have enough time to morph before I hit the ground, but then this pilot, the taxon pilot, will see me go from human to bird, and they will know that I am human. And so her choice in this moment, she's like, I can either fall and die, or I can morph and save myself, but end up killing all of my friends and family because I'm betraying this great secret. And then she realizes there is a third choice to eliminate the problem. And so she chooses that one. She takes aim and fires at this bug fighter and completely explodes the bug fighter, hits the taxon pilot, and she watches as the remains of the ship and the taxon entrails are streaked across the sky from uh, where she hit them. God, yeah. she's like an action hero. Oh my God, yeah. Yes. <sighs> But Cassie has no time to think about what she just did before having to go Osprey. Otherwise, she is also going to die and have also killed. So she starts morphing because she's got to. And she's going as fast as she can and trying to get wings. And finally she does. And she like squirms her way out of the sweater and then slows down her fall with her wings that she's morphing. And when she gets closer to the earth than she would like, she is able to maintain control and start flying. But like it was a close fucking call. Mm hmm. Didn't they say they were only, like, two miles up when she jumped out yeah. of the plane? Which is, a, I mean, I know that's a lot. I'm going to Google what what do planes fly at. <laughs> that's a search. That's a search, right? So she ended up in, like, North Australia. And if they were going to Sydney, which I believe is on the East Coast. Is it? Australia. Sorry for the spoilers. They're heading to Sydney, by the way. In case the kangaroo on the cover of the book wasn't enough of a tip-off. Planes generally fly at five to seven miles up in the air due to fuel efficiency. Okay. So maybe they swung into somewhere in East Asia and did stuff. Why would it be coming down that f early? It shouldn't be at two miles. It should yeah, be five that's, to seven miles. That's what I was wondering. And if... if uh, she ended up in the north part of Australia. It's like, what route are they taking? Because that would make sense if they stopped in East Asia to refuel and then just shot down. Because if yeah, they're coming but... from the United States, that would be more of a... You'd have to double back. Yeah. So let's just assume Cassie didn't gauge correctly how high she was. Okay. Or, or when she exploded the ship, she did mention that it like pushed her down, like the shockwaves of it really quickly. So maybe by the time uh, she started morphing, she was two miles up. Yeah. I'll buy that. Okay. okay. That's where we're going to net out with this. It <laughs> <laughs> was like 10 minutes of us trying to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> that gif of like all the mathematical yeah. equations around <laughs> someone's head. <laughs> Jeez. 
whatever. She's falling, falling. She morphs. She manages to get control, and she flies out over all of the red sand. And she's looking for somewhere to hide or to lose this bug fighter because the second one is now on her tail, and there's nothing but, like, scrubby brush and things where she couldn't really hide. Um, but she has noticed that ahead of her there's a canyon. And so she kind of goes there and dives into the canyon, and she's able to lose them in there. And as soon as she hears them, like, firing further away, because they're firing shots at her the whole time she's flying, she can, like, hear them, like, careening off on a different path. She lands, like, dives down, starts demorphing, she gets to human, and then she immediately goes to flee and hides in the dirt. She spends a long time as flea, not thinking about anything or, flight, like, fighting the flea more for anything like that, but she's thinking about everything that happened to her this day and how all of her decisions were bad. She's, like, racked with guilt over having killed no less than four Hork-Bajur, the ones falling out of the cargo hold, the ones that she vaporized, the taxon pilot, and she can hear at some points, like, Rachel's voice telling her, like, don't worry about the taxon, they're cannibals that would eat themselves if they had the chance, so, like, don't waste your sympathy on those guys. But Cassie's like, I feel guilty anyways. Like, I feel bad about that. And she doesn't know if her decisions are right or wrong. She feels like she's been making wrong decisions this whole time. And she says for at least 12 to 14 hours, which probably way more than that based on what we just came up with. But she doesn't know. She was unconscious for a very long time. And uh, she does this for about two hours until she's like, okay, I think it's time to demorph. And so she goes back to human and she's okay like it's dark outside but she's okay when she gets back to human she's like okay i'm looking for some hork so she kind of pulls herself up over the edge of a canyon and starts looking over half to half expecting to see an entire army of hork below her and she like kind of breathes out this sigh of relief that the coast is clear and she goes okay i can deal with this and then very close to her ear she hears a voice say they're gone yeah <laughs> and that's exactly what happens. <laughs> uh, so Cassie screams, the boy screams, the dog is growling. It's all a bit of a mess. <laughs> so they calm down after a second of screaming, and Cassie is like, You scared the shit out of me. And the guy was like, I scared you. And then he starts laughing until. Eventually, he stops laughing and, like, just looks at Cassie's, like, mangled leotard around her. And he's like, do you need a bit of help? And Cassie's like, yeah, I do. And she has this moment where she's like, this boy really reminds me of Jake. Like, he's kind of no. shy, but, like, he'll... St- I know. No. I know. I know. But I have to mention it. Uh, it is important-ish. I know. Oh. Uh. Yeah, she mentions how he's, like, kind of shy, but, like, he seems willing to step up and do the right thing when somebody needs help. And so she's like, oh, he reminds me of Jake a little bit. Um, He introduces himself as Yami and then starts leading her along while, like, chatting with her about what just the fuck happened. And he mentions the bug fighter and he's like, yeah, it was really surprising to see that. And she's like, surprising. That's that's one way to put it. Sure. Um, and then she goes, so you're surprised by the bug fighter, but you see a girl that turns from a bird into a flea, and that's not surprising. And he's like, no, that's not really surprising. Let me show you where I'm leading you. And so he takes her to the spring where he explains, like, all of our ancestors, like, did this. This is a holy place, and, like, they created this land, and when they were done, they turned themselves into, like, trees and animals and blah, blah, blah. And I suppose they probably turned themselves into fleas as well. 
And Cassie's like looking out over this like holy sacred spring place. And then she notices that there's a herd of kangaroos grazing. And she goes, I am not in South Dakota. And then, <laughs> I don't think we're in Kansas the, anymore. <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> like, uh, Yeah. And Yami's like, you thought you were in South Dakota. You really are lost. And Cassie's like, I am very lost. So does he not have like an accent that would have tipped her off? Okay, so here's what I am not sure of because I, he is like a a like native Australian. Yeah. So I think that's a different accent than like you know, good eye, mate. Like, yeah. That I think that's different, but I I don't know enough about it to know sure. like how different. Okay. Yeah, and also like there's no reason that you can't run into somebody with an accent in like South Dakota. Yeah. Although, I I kind of feel like if somebody has an accent that you're not used to hearing, like, where you live, I think you kind of notice it immediately. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. In my experience, if you say one single word with an accent that somebody does not expect, they immediately bring it up yeah. and interrogate you for many minutes yeah. about it. Yeah. <laughs> A boot. Project. <laughs> yeah. And then they and then they start doing that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I didn't. I wasn't doing it. <laughs> no, no, way. no, that's totally fine. I knew exactly what you were saying. Yeah, they definitely start doing that immediately, or like whatever word. If you were like, oh yeah, I'm from Australia, they'd be like, ah, put another shrimp on the Barbie, huh? Yeah, Dingo ate my baby. Uh. A Dingo ate my baby. Yeah, crikey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. Cassie apparently was too polite to do that. <laughs> uh, doofa doofa. Yeah, that was her first tip off though, was And also like if somebody introduces you like, Hey, my name is Yami, you'd be like, Oh, where like what kinda where did you get that name? And then they'd go, My parents My parents uh, And you'd be like, No, where ah uh, yeah. Where are you from? I'm from Michigan. <laughs> like Uh uh, that's like uh, Aziz Ansari in Parks and Rec. So you're from India? I'm from Indiana! Yeah. <laughs> uh, God. Anyways. Yeah, Cassie like totally never even once mentions accents in this book, actually. Okay. So well, whatever. Um, so whatever. There's a bunch of kangaroos. He tells her it's a mob of kangaroos. And their conversation is interrupted by... This dog's name. How did you pronounce this? Um, I wondered if the T was silent, like Chala. Yeah, that's Chala. That's what Something I. Like that. I thought it was like Chala too. Yeah. It's T J A L A. Yeah. I figured it was Jala instead of Tijala. That would be. Yeah. I don't know though. I don't. Know. I figured it was silent. I figured it was Jala. We'll go with that then. We'll go with Jala. I guess correct us if you know things you can that just, we do not. You can just call him the pupper. Call him the pupper. He's just a little dog. He ain't He's not doing a nothing dog. wrong. He didn't do nothing wrong. He just wanted to chase them kangaroos. 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 And I was like, you stupid dog. Haven't you seen that video? Yami's going to have to punch the kangaroo in the face. <laughs> when it starts, like, choking out the dog. Yeah. And Yami's going to have to it. fight the kangaroo. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but... That's not what happens. Instead, Cassie and Yami just started running after Jala as he chased the kangaroos, and they all scattered in different directions. 
And he was going after one big kangaroo in particular dummy. who was kicking out at him. I know, such a dummy. Let's go after the biggest one. <laughs> I mean, dogs chase cars, right? Dogs are something. They're good. But dumb. They are fantastic. So Yami's yelling for his dog to come back, but Jalo is on the hunt. And finally the kangaroo kicks out and kind of gets him right on the end of the nose before the kangaroo jumps into the water. And that's when Yami got, like, super serious. And he was like, come back here now! (laughs) (laughs) And Yami's like, I've seen the kangaroos do... And the dog did come back, by the way. At this point, the dog turned off. (laughs) Yay! Yeah. But Yami's like, I've seen the big male kangaroos do this. They've killed two dingoes at one time by leading them into the water. And then they just hold their heads under the water. Which is fucking horrifying. Yeah. I don't like that. (laughs) It's pretty smart. Anyways... Um, Cassie and Yami go running off after Jala, and, like, Jala's chasing down this thumping and rustling that he heard in the bu- in the brush, and so they're like, okay, like, let's go figure out what the fuck is going on, and at the end of their journey, they find a female kangaroo called a doe trapped in the fence, and Cassie walks right up to her, and Yami's like, yo, watch out for the claws, that's not good, they'll fuck you up, She's like, okay, I'll be careful. And then she reaches out and touches its rump and starts acquiring it so that it immediately goes into a trance. When she's doing this, the little Joey sticks his head out of the pouch being fucking adorable. Aww. And like, is like, what's she doing? The baby so, Roo. A little baby Roo. He sticks his little face out. So Cassie uses the time that this large kangaroo is in this trance to untangle her from the fence that she's jumped into. And as soon as she gets her free, she kind of like moves her over and once the kangaroo comes out of the trance, she hops up and starts hopping away. And Yami goes, you have a way with kangaroos. Maybe you want to be a kangaroo next time. And they both start laughing into the night. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, for some reason, I thought adult male and female kangaroos were called Jackson Jennies, but that might be donkeys. That is definitely donkeys. Okay. I mean, it might also be kangaroos, but that is for sure donkeys. Okay. Because the babies are called joeys, or is that just the males, or are they all called joeys? Of kangaroos? Yeah. All babies are joeys, as far as I know. Okay. And I did know that the females are called does. Okay. And the males are boomers? I guess so. They're not bucks? Yeah, I don't know, because boomers is, seems more like slang to me than an actual, mm-hmm. like, what you call them. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Well, shoot. We'll have to find out. I'm surprised Yami was, like, cool with Cassie helping. He wasn't like, oh, this girl doesn't know anything about kangaroos. Like, she better stay back or else she's going to get kicked. Well, he... Not to spoil what's coming up, but he does believe that she is, like, a spirit guide that has created the world and turned herself into an animal at this point. So, like... Sure, for sure. I don't know that he's in a position to be like, do you truly know about these animals? Because, like, you may have created them, but I live here. <laughs> and also, I think he was like, I don't want to get kicked. I'm not an idiot. Sure. So. Very fair. I don't blame him for being like, sure, you want to go fuck with a kangaroo? Have at it. <laughs> so, Cassie wakes up to a booming laugh. She fell asleep on a wooden bench, and she is very uncomfortable. As she opens her eyes, she sees red sand stretching in every direction. She's like, oh, fuck, I'm in Australia. I remember now. (laughs) 
And what had happened the night before, it all comes back to her slowly. She remembers Yami led her back to his house and he had gone off to find his mother and she had leaned over to pet Jala and just kind of closed her eyes for a second. Like, I'm not going to fall asleep. I'm just resting my eyes and then passed out. So Cassie gets up and starts following the sound of laughter over to this little, like, they describe it as like a stick hut where Yami was hanging out with like his family. And they were really quiet as Cassie started to approach. And she did, like, a quick check, like, oh, no, shit, are they quiet? Because, like, I'm exposed. And she looks at her, like, leotard, and she's like, no, I'm good, but I will have to get a new one. Rachel's going to be Wouldn't she so have worried hot. about that before when Yami was looking at you weirdly? I think she checked it then, too. Okay. She was like, well, covered, I guess. All right. In a way. Yeah. So he, she walks over there to this whatever it is, like stick hut, as they describe it. <laughs> and uh, once she gets closer, the older man stands up to get a good look at her. And he kind of almost falls down when he's getting up, but they steady him and like he stands up and he's like smiling. And then like Yami's like, oh, I told my grandfather like what you did. You turned from the bird to the flea and like you hid in a canyon and all that sort of shit. And like my grandfather's like always worked really hard to tell us about our, our past, which had to do with like, you know, the whole thing we just said five minutes ago about like you know the world being created from these people that then changed themselves into like trees and animals and shit and so he's like the he took it as a sign like you being here as a sign that he is teaching us well and cassie is like horrified she's like no 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 no! i'm not a sign of anything do not like rest your belief system on me i am a child <laughs> but she cannot change their mind they're like you even went into like the sacred canyon so it's a sign and she's like fuck um at this point they give her like clothes where they're like you'll be more comfortable in these and so like they let her go change and she is more comfortable in them and then uh yami starts bringing her like breakfast while the rest of the family starts going about their chores and it is grubs and cassie has like this moment of like oh does this taste like chicken and yami's like no it tastes like butter and then she's like ah the the heat took away my appetite i I think I'm not going to eat these. And Yami was like horrified because he was extremely upset that she rejected his breakfast. But so, if it tastes like butter, I I would have eaten something. I wouldn't have eaten a grub if it tastes like butter. Like, I fuck tried it. it just to not affront him. Yeah. She's like, I can't steal an orange, but I'm going to like insult this poor boy to his face by refusing his delicious food. Yeah. And it's like especially like not to generalize but like they are in an area where living is extremely difficult yeah like they they don't have much and so the fact that they're offering her some of the not much that they have and she rejects it yeah. is like really fucking offensive yeah cassie yeah this was like one part where i was like ugh, i hate this yeah like why whatever she had, I think she realized her mistake later. Yeah, so yeah. We'll get there. So Cassie kind of presses on and she's like, oh, so I'm so sorry to like ask this having just shown up here. I don't want to like go all ET on you, but like, do you have a way that I could call home? And he's like, well, we don't have a phone and I would let you use the, the two-way radio, but the blast yesterday knocked it out. And like Cassie's guilt is just, it's stacking up. It's like guilt on guilt on guilt because she blew up their only method of communication and then Yami's like, well, you could ride back with the postman. And Cassie's like, awesome. When does the postman come? And he's like, Tuesdays. And she's like, yesterday was Tuesday. And he's like, yeah, he came like right before the explosion happened. 
And Cassie is like, I have never felt more defeated than I have in this moment. (laughs) And then she started thinking about Marco and how he would make fun of her for nature-loving Cassie being defeated by nature. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But her thoughts are interrupted because she hears a buzzing and she sees off in the distance an airplane. So she goes bolting out, like waving her arms like, hey, hey, like, come get me. I'm right here. And the only thing the airplane did was dip a wing and fly on. And Yami kind of caught up to her. He had, like, run after her further behind. And he's like, yeah, those planes are just, like, tourists. And, you know, they're not going to stop and get you. All they're going to do is, like, take pictures of you from the airplane because you're a charming native and, like, carry on. Like, yeah. And there's, like, some bitterness here that I really appreciated from Yami. Like, fuck these tourists. Yeah. At about that moment, Yami's grandfather limped out of the house and Cassie and Yami return back to him and he wants to present Cassie with a gift. He's like, you've given me so much, I want to return the favor. And he hands her a boomerang and Cassie doesn't know what to say because she's like, I didn't do anything. Like, all I've done is take from you people. I haven't helped you in any way. I haven't done anything for you. Well, you didn't take the food. Oh, That's true. And the only reason Cassie ends up saying yes is because she didn't want to do the same. She didn't want to cause the same hurt and embarrassed look that she had earlier on Yami's face on his grandfather's face. So she just said, thank you. And Yami's grandfather was really adorable and pleased. He was like, he got really like smiling and like, yeah, she accepted my gift. (laughs) I did it. I did it. And then he's like, let me show you how to throw it. And so like, he like, I think it was he he threw it originally, right? Yami's grandfather? I think yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he made Yami okay, go so get Yami's, it. Yeah, so Yami's grandfather threw it, and it goes, like, just kind of, like, going over the grass super low, and ends up chopping off the top of a flower. And then Yami, like, bolts after it to bring it back. And Cassie's like, what do you mean a boomerang doesn't come back? <laughs> and um, Yami's grand- grandfather laughed at her and was like, well, it does come back when Yami brings it back to us. <laughs> <laughs> I love him. And then he's so good. He's like um, like Iroh is what he yeah. reminds me of. <laughs> Boomerang, you really do come back. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the only reason that I knew that hunting boomerangs didn't come back was because of this book. So it informed my opinion of Avatar. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't know there were separate types of boomerangs. Yeah. Well, shit. I did because of this book. Woo! <laughs> but anyway, so um, Yami brings a boomerang back, and uh, Yami's grandfather explains to Cassie the difference between, like, hunting boomerangs and toy boomerangs, and he's like, okay, now, like, you try. And so Cassie's about to throw it, but, like, she starts taking, like, whatever, aim or whatever, all wacky. And Yami's like, no, and, like, steps in, like, reaching out towards her to try and show her. But, like, when she stopped trying to throw it, she, like, stood up straight. And they find themselves, like, an inch away from each other, like, staring into each other's eyes. No, Cassie, no. Cassie, you have a boyfriend. (laughs) Um, And Cassie does step back. Like, very, like, oh, God. She, like, steps away from him. And Yami looks really embarrassed at this moment. Oh, no. I don't like it. Um, No. And then he, like, was like, well, my grandfather could show you better. So, like, hey, come on in. Show her how to do it. Um, And so Yami's grandfather starts to, but as he steps towards them, he just, like, falls and almost collapses because his leg gives out. 
And Cassie's like, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, I just cut myself making boomerangs. It's happened before. It'll happen again. No big deal. And Cassie's like, oh, can can I see the cut? And he, like, rolls up his pant leg. And they're hit by just this putrid smell of infection Ooh. and rotten flesh. No. And his entire leg is swollen and discol- discolored. And Cassie's like, what the fuck did you cut yourself with? And he's like, oh, I found this new, like, really sharp carving tool. It's great. Fell from the sky and shows her a piece of the bug fighter. No! Cassie's like, yet again, my irresponsibilities! Grandpa, you didn't even try to, like, dress the wound or anything? No. (sighs) Which, like, why would he, right? Like, most tools, he's probably cut himself a thousand times. And with most tools, has, like, just kind of left it like, oh, it's just a scrape. But, like... You think at some point he'd be like, well, this is not normal. But I don't know. Because, like, he goes on to say, like, a little further on that, like, the the wound is really gross and deep and she could see the bone and shit. So it's like, is that just a result of, like, what happened afterwards? Like, it started as a shallow cut and then it just kind of, like, ate away at him? Or did he, like, cut himself down to the bone and then it's just like, oh, well, you know, tis but a scratch. Like, that wasn't clear to me. I mean, who knows? Like, that wasn't super clear to me either. But, like, when she looks at it this time, she doesn't see the bone. So my assumption was it, like... Got bigger or something. Yeah. Like, especially when it started swelling. Yeah. Like, if it opened and, like, pulled the flesh away from the bone. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, fine. That was my guess, because, like, you'd think if it was down to the bone, like, right now, he would have shown her, and she would have been like, holy fuck, that's right to the bone, yeah. instead of, like, oh, that's a nasty cut, but, like, yeah. you know. Okay. Yeah. Fine. Very well. That's my guess. Okay. So, Cassie's like, we gotta get a fucking doctor. And Yami's like, my mom knows some doctory things. And she's like, do that. And Yami calls over his uncles to help his grandpa get inside, and then his mom gets there, and she, like, does the same sort of thing, where she, like, pulls up the pant leg, looks at the wound, and she's like, oh, God! (laughs) What have you done? Yeah, so she does what she can with the native plants. She's, like, dresses the wound in whatever way she can, and then she uses some of it to knock out the grandfather and be like, here, rest. You have to do something. We can't have you awake in this sort of terrible pain. And um, once they're out of the room, like, Yami's mom leaves to go sterilize her instruments, Cassie goes, hey, you know what I said about becoming a kangaroo? I can do that, and I can get some help from, like, a real doctor. And Yami's like, even a real kangaroo would wait for sundown. And Cassie's like, I should just go. And he's like, if you travel during the day, you're going to wind up dead. Because real roos know that they have to rest in the shade and stop. And you would just keep pushing yourself. And you dead in the desert is not super helpful to us here. And that's when Cassie's like, okay, I'll wait. So they sit in the room with Yami's grandfather. And eventually they both doze off. And Cassie's the one that wakes up to Yami's grandfather groaning. And she takes a look at his leg and sees that the infection has spread and he has a crazy high fever at this point. He's delirious with infection and the leg is swollen from the knee down like the size of a basketball and it's black and gross and you can see the bone, which is what we were saying earlier. Yeah. So Cassie woke up Yami in a panic and is like, ah, fuck. And they both look at his grandfather's leg and they're like, ah, So Cassie's like, I won't even have time to get to a doctor. 
So, like, we got to deal with this shit now. And Yami runs out to find his mother and his aunt. And Cassie's like, I'm going to go hork I need some blades for this. Chop it off. Yeah. Cassie's like, I know what's going on here. I know I have to amputate. And then she, like, gives us her credentials. Like, <laughs> yeah. I have done this before with my dad, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I performed like, brain surgery on X. It's like, yeah. yes, we know. <laughs> yeah. And then she talks about how, like... It was the hardest thing I ever had to do in my life, but I would do it again in a heartbeat to save my friends. Yeah. Yeah. So um, she morphs to hork Yami, after a while, runs back in after Cassie's gone through this dialogue, and he has to stop himself from screaming, and Cassie's immediately like, no, no, it's me, it's me, I'm in here, we're cool. And he kind of, like, gets over it really quickly, which is awesome <laughs> and cassie's like here's what we have to do after you you've come to the terms of realization that i am this giant demon beast also i need you to create a tourniquet because we are going to slice off your grandfather's leg now and he he comes to terms with this pretty quickly as well he's like okay and so they create the tourniquet with the belt as much as they can super tight and cassie creates like a guiding cut around the knee she goes okay there's going to be like a huge artery in this leg be ready she does not give any warning to Yami at all before she slices off the grandfather's leg and sees the artery and goes, okay, Yami, reach in there and pinch it shut to stop the bleeding. <laughs> like, yes, definitely stop the bleeding, but like prep your dude, right? Like war- <laughs> warn, a, warn a person before you fucking just do that. Yeah. <laughs> but no, Yami's super cool. He just like grabs the artery, looks a little like, ah. And then Cassie starts demorphing. And this also, like, she says Yami's face was, like, in a silent scream. Like, no sound came out, but he was, like, horrified watching her demorph. Now Cassie's like, we've bought ourselves some time. Already, Yami's grandfather is looking better now that the infected leg is gone. And she's like, I'm gonna go now to Kangaroo and we are gonna get this man a doctor. And so... At this point, Yami's grandfather's arm goes limp and, like, kind of falls over the side of the bed, and a piece of bug fighter falls from his hand to the floor right as a shadow passes over them. And Cassie knew what it was before she even looked. It was a bug fighter. Dun-dun-dun. Dun-dun-dun. Horpajur and Taxon drop from the ship outside. An entire army was here, and Cassie was horrified that once again she had brought destruction and horror onto people that she was trying to protect. And Cassie asks Yami where his mother was. And he's like, oh, she's out far enough. She's on the other side of the gum trees or whatever. And they're like, okay. And she's like, okay, what about Jala? And Yami freaks out, calls Jala in. And right as the dog comes running into the house, Visor Three's voice booms in all of their heads going, you thought I would forget about you, Andalite? And like Yami and Jala are like cowering. And like this wakes up Yami's grandfather who's like super weak and Cassie's apologizing, like, I am so sorry I brought this here. I can't believe I've done this. I regret everything, blah, blah, blah. And that's when Yami's grandfather is like, you have done nothing. You fight this evil, yeah? And Cassie's like, yeah, I I do. And he's like, do you think that if you weren't here, like, standing in their way, they would just, like, never come here? That they would leave us alone because you weren't here? No, eventually they'd come and take everything we have and destroy our land and our house and our family. And you're the only thing fighting it. Like, it's great that you're here. I just wish I could help you. And Cassie just goes, you already did. Aw. Well, shit. Yeah, this was cute. It's kind of like a metaphor. <laughs> kind of. Uh. 
<laughs> uh, and then Visor 3 starts a countdown because, you know, it wouldn't be an Animorphs book at this point if we didn't have a good three-minute countdown. Yep. <laughs> so it's literally like three, Cassie starts going to Kangaroo, and then like two, she like creeps outside, and then like you've got one minute yet, and Cassie sees the boomerang and like grabs it with her little kangaroo paws and puts it in her pouch. Oh, cute. And then... It's so cute. I hope it's not too sharp. No. It's fine. She's got more shit to worry about that's a bigger problem than a tiny nick in the pouch. Sure. So she she starts going, and right as Visitor 3 goes, time's up, she starts hopping away. And she hops, like, out of the low buildings that make up Yami's little compound. And she faces the ship until they notice her there. They fire at her, and the ground beneath her feet explodes... But she was ready. So she jumps up, lands on her feet, and starts hopping away. And now there's, like, Taxon and hork all coming at her from every angle. And she's, like, zigzagging and dodging and jumping and bounding until finally there's a Taxon right dead ahead. And it's coming at her. And she, like, jumps towards it, rears up using her tail, and, like, double kicks this thing using the nails on her back legs to rake at it as she's kicking. And the Taxon gets cut to ribbons. She, like, leaps out of there as these other taxon descend on it, start eating its spilled guts, and she sees, as she's, like, retreating from here, she sees this taxon with its dying breath turn itself on its own body and start eating its own spilled guts. Yeah. Ate it. Gross. So the hork are still after her, and while their bodies are not built for the heat, they could still shoot at her, so she's, like, dodging draken shots and everything and then she realizes oh shit i'm leading them right towards the safe sacred spring in order to get them away from yami's house and then another realization the mob of kangaroos is there and as she's approaching them the kangaroo she acquired kind of like takes like a curious little like hop towards her and she can see the joey in its pouch as well which is really cute baby (laughs) yeah and then a hork fires and opens up a crater next to this spring and the kangaroos just like split, going every which direction possible. <laughs> oh, good babies. <laughs> Run away. Run away. Um, and then the hork just start firing wildly because they're like, I don't know which fucking kangaroo it is. There's a fuck ton of kangaroos here. And uh, they're like, okay, what do we do? And then the big male kangaroos, they're taking the brunt of the firing because they're slower, they're larger, they're easier targets to hit. And then some of the male kangaroos start fighting the hork And they're, like, not winning, but they are fighting them. Um, the taxon are, like, coursing through here, eating the dead kangaroo bodies that are on the ground. Uh, and then the kangaroos start leading them into the water. And the hork are not following because they're like, okay, our bodies will sink in this mud. But the taxon dive right in. And Cassie's like, I know what they're trying to do. I got to get in there and help out. So she goes in with the male kangaroos and they're trying to like, you know, drag the taxon in to drown them or whatever. And one of them catches up to Cassie and like takes her under the water. And she's like trying to stay afloat, trying to breathe. And it finally like kind of gets its body on top of her. And she just flips around in the water and starts kicking out at it and bursts it like a giant pimple, which creates this like roiling mass of taxons in the water that are trying to eat the spilled guts of this taxon that she had just burst. Um, But Cassie's able to like pop up to the surface now that she's killed this taxon and she's desperately trying to swim away and there's shots being fired. Her ears are getting singed. And then she hears this like 
kind of whistling over her head, and one of the Horkbajers' necks gets sliced almost in half. She looks up, and she sees Yami and his uncles on the cliff, armed with boomerangs. Which is badass. Yeah. One of the Horkbajer points them out, like, there they are, top of the cliff, and they start firing at them and creating these huge craters in the cliff face, and Cassie's yelling, like, Yami, run, you're gonna get killed. And the only thing that happens is Cassie hears this echoed voice over the canyon where Yami's like, no worries! Which <laughs> <laughs> is fucking amazing. <laughs> Oh, so these men keep throwing the boomerangs. The kangaroos are working on drowning the taxon. The horkbajer are blasting off this cliff face, but to no avail. And suddenly Jala comes running down the cliff barking, and this horkbajer levels the draken beam at him. And Cassie sees this, and she hops over trying to call to Jala, saying, no, 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 get out of here. You're like, don't do that. Um, but right as the horkbajer is about to fire and kill the dog, she rears up on her back, on her tail and kicks at her back legs and like knocks the horkbajer's shot completely wild. Then the horkbajer's like, oh, well, this is the Andalite. I figured it out, obviously. <laughs> and so he turns around and like lops off Cassie's tail. And then the horkbajer levels a draken beam at Cassie. But Jala leapt up, bit the Horkbajer's throat, and, like, they start, like, grappling wildly. And Jala's, like, missing getting, like, sliced in half by, like, millimeters. I know! The Horkbajer loses the Draken Beam. It goes, like, tumbling away. And then Cassie is, like, once they, like, fuck this guy up, he runs for it. So Jala and Cassie are left out, like, they're just, like, bleeding out. Well, Cassie is. Chala's fine. And so she starts dragging her dying body into some shrub for cover so she can try to demorph. And then she, like, drags herself into an ivory and steel dog-like foot and hears a familiar voice saying, demorph now. And it's Lords! Lords! (laughs) Yay! Wow. (laughs) Haven't seen Lords in a while. No. And then you find her in Australia. How'd you get here? No one knows. Well, actually, she tells us. I'll tell you how she got there. Sorry. <laughs> that was, I made a snarky comment. No that one was knows. immediately explained. Deus ex machina, she situation. She explains immediately that she hid out on the ship and came here looking for Cassie specifically. Dear God. <laughs> I am so sorry I said that asshole comment. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, Lourdes was basically like, everybody's looking for you. I snuck out here to find you. You chose an excellent hiding place, but right now you have to demorph because you are dying. And Cassie is like, Yami's grandfather needs a doctor. I don't give a shit about anything else. And Lourdes is basically like, on it, I'll handle it. Don't you worry, you just demorph. And um, outside of this little bubble that Lourdes has created, disguised as a boulder so Cassie can demorph, there is now two tourist planes headed towards them. So Visitor 3 is like, we need a hasty retreat. Clean up everything. All evidence of this battle. Let's get the fuck out of here. So all of the, the shock troops get back into the ship. All the attacks and the Horkajar, blah, blah, blah. And then beams come down from the ship and, like, just incinerate everything. Like, the dead bodies, the weapons, the floating pieces of Taxon. Everything except the craters that the Draken beams created is eliminated right then and there. And then they cloak And by the time the tourist planes get by, the only thing remaining was the craters and the cheering natives, which the the tourists took pictures of from their plane. Uh. Now we get to the final chapter, which I wrote more than half a page on because it's so delightful. (laughs) Okay, so... Here's the last part where everybody has to hear me talk for fucking 45 minutes. (laughs) Oh my god. But it's so... So, 
It's so good. I'm just so glad I get to stop talking soon. So, <laughs> Rachel is complaining. She was delighted when Cassie said that she wanted to go shopping. She's like, I'm ready to spend some money at the mall. And so unsurprisingly, Rachel was extremely disappointed when Cassie took her to the gardens where her mom works to find a postcard. A postcard! No! And Jake's like, what kind of postcard? And so Cassie grabs one and shows him it's a kangaroo. This is like a reminder. And Tobias, who is smiling at Cassie in the super weird way that he does now that he's not used to his human body, he goes, is it like a reminder that you don't need any of us because you're such a badass that you can single-handedly defeat all the Yerks from here to Sydney? Oh my god. Which is adorable. Sweet boy. And this is when Cassie goes... S-Y-D, Sydney, of course. How did I not see this? How did I, I saw that on the luggage tags. How did I not get this? And Marco's like, speaking of Sydney, an old millionaire was offering a large sum of cash for any information about his sweater and prune juice that went missing. Any bets we could make some money off that? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then Marco reaches over and pries the popcorn box off of Axe's face. And Marco reminds him like, hey, don't eat cardboard. And Axe is like, I am disappointed that in this morph, my tongue is not good enough to reach all of the butter and salt. And Marco's like, come on, dude, I'll buy you some more popcorn. It's fine. So So cute. (laughs) (laughs) So fucking cute. Then this happens. So they go off towards the, the snack stand. And Cassie's like, by the way, what happened in the Marines? And Jake goes, I'm going to tell you everything I know. And Cassie's like, oh, you know? And he's like, of course I do, because you're you, Cassie, and I knew you were going to ask. So he basically explains that the Marines went missing with the chunk of the bug fighter and the armored van, and nobody knows what happened to them, but the Yerks did not get them. So he's like, better than nothing. And so I'd say, like, we won that one. (laughs) And uh, then Jake reaches across the table and kind of touches her hand with his own. And he says, but we got you back. So that means we really won. And Cassie grabs his hand back. (laughs) So cute. Even cuter. Jake then, like, leans in and tries to really quietly ask if they could go talk. And Rachel just goes... Please. He wants you to he wants to give you a big sloppy wet kiss. He's been a zombie the whole time you've been gone. And Jake tries to go like, I depends on your definition of zombie. And then fucking Tobias comes in with the whole, oh, how about like not sleeping, eating, or doing anything but searching the airport while saying the words I have to find her. Aww. And he's like, eh, okay, I'm a bit of a zombie. <laughs> At this point, Cassie felt a a little bit of guilt hearing that while she was off in the desert with Yumi, Jake was, you know, searching for her incessantly. But it's interrupted because Marco and Axe come back to the table at this point with a ton more food, where Axe carefully picks up her kangaroo postcard and hands it to her before putting down his blooming onion. (laughs) I love him! (laughs) And then Axe tells her that he's really glad she's back, that even though the chi projected an excellent hologram, it couldn't take her place. Aww. Everyone's being so nice to her. (laughs) I know. Um, And then Cassie says, yeah, like next time the chi take her place, she doesn't want Eric to take it because he needs to turn his brilliance down a notch. He aced her algebra exam and now her mom's trying to sign her up in like a special course for people that are good at math. And then Axe said, oh, did you morph an animal with two heads? And Cassie explains, like, no, that's the pouch. And Axe goes, is that an effective method of transportation? And Cassie's like, very effective. And then after their day of catching up, Cassie grabs the second postcard, the one that she didn't show to anybody, and it had an osprey on it. 
She mails it from the airport, thinking that would be anonymous enough that no one would know, and she sends it to Yumi's address with no return address, just the words, no worries. Aww. That's the end of this book. Aww. What happened to the boomerang, though? I, in my head, she brought it back with her. Okay. In my head. Okay. My chosen story. <laughs> in your head. In your head. Exactly. Okay. Cool. Also, I didn't know kangaroos could swim. I thought it would be more of like a T-Rex situation. I think they're decent swimmers, actually. I also didn't know there was a lot of water on the outback where they live. So It seemed like just the spring. Yeah. Just the one. <laughs> just the one spring. Only those kangaroos can swim. Yeah, exactly. They're special kangaroos. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> Tell me everything you thought about this book. I don't know. It was just super fun. And I liked it. And, and, and I actually thought that, um, as soon as she met Yami, that she was gonna, like, kind of fall for him and then be tempted to, like, live a normal life in Australia, like, away from the Yerk battle and shit. Um, but as usual, I guessed wrong, so that was fine. You, well, one, you almost always guess right. And two, that delights me. I never even considered that. Well, cause, like, you know, as soon as she said, like, oh, he reminds me of Jake a little bit. I was like, okay. First of all, you're going to, like, fall for him, and I don't approve of that, but whatever. <laughs> and then, second of all, you're going to be so racked with guilt with all of the creatures you just killed, and I don't know. I, I just thought it was going that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, That's fair. But, like, also, how did they know what plane she ended up on? I don't know how they knew what plane she ended up on. I have no idea how they found the compound where she was hiding out, like... I don't know any of these things, and it's never explained. Yeah. I thought for a second that they were, because of when they showed up, that they were able to track the morphing, set, like, energy again. Oh, maybe. Or the the last place that they searched. Like, that big pile of luggage that they know that she landed in, but they couldn't find her. Mm-hmm. Maybe they checked the destination of those bags and then they were like, well, let's regroup and then go find that plane. I don't know. That's true. That could have been it. Especially if like the luggage tags were left behind. Okay. Here's the other thing though, that um, the the very initial plot point that I was like, this is dumb because I knew they could grab the airplane and hold it like in stasis. Yeah. Why didn't they just do that for the bug fighter parts? I don't know. <laughs> Book avoided. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> it would have made sense. And like, um, I think it's Lords that talks about like all of the chi that were infiltrating these meetings and like they were having long discussions about like blueprints and airline blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And it's like, well, if you know they're there, just fly in some bug fighters and like freeze them and check the, the yeah. cargo hold of whichever one you think it is. Like, I liked this book enough that it was fine. <laughs> Yeah, I, I got over it very quickly because I am delighted by this book. I I just think it's so much fun mm-hmm. and I really enjoy it. So Yeah. Yeah, it was one though. I, I'll i say that when I looked at the cover of which one we're reading next, I was like, oh, this came this late in the series? I thought this was earlier. <laughs> yeah, it kind but. of seems, yeah, it's a definitely another kind of one-off adventure. And yeah, it seems weird that it came this late, but mm-hmm. it's fine. I imagine things are about to get crazy, so it was nice to have a a lighter book. (laughs) 
and I, I got, I'm glad that we got another good book after the two stinkers early in this this particular run. This this is going to be a fucking hard run to judge next book. Yeah. And I think we're going to disagree on our most hated book cuz mine's oh, for sure. Rachel's. Yeah, like I I've, <laughs> I've got my my number 5 for sure, but like <laughs> depending on what how the next Marco book goes, I'm I'm interested to see. <laughs> Don't laugh. <laughs> Don't do that. Well, should we start rating characters? I mean, I loved them all so much. I know, but yeah, okay. when we give them all fives, we can at least talk about okay, what we okay. loved about <laughs> Yeah, them. I was like, we should just like bypass this, give them all fives, but I'm like, but we should talk about them and what we liked, so. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about why we're going to give Jake a five today. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, I just, I, I love... I loved him, and I loved how much he loved Cassie, and and looked for her, and it was so cute. Oh my god! And like the thing that I always crave—that things happen when the character's not there—that it, like it's not like an isolated thing where they're on pause. And this was like one of those, like imagining Jake spending like days searching and just like pushing his team because Cassie is gone, and like yeah. Oh, that's, uh, I loved that so much. I loved it so, so much. And um, at the very beginning, when Rachel was pressing him, like, no, let's just do what we came here for. We're so close. And Jake being able to, like, step back, be like, no, we are aborting this mission. Get out of here. Yeah. Like, great moments by Jake. Great leadership moment. Great boyfriend moment. And very, very cheesy when he said, we got you back. So in the end, we won. Yeah. So yeah, fives, obviously, from both of us. Yeah. Let's talk about why we're both gonna give Rachel a five. (laughs) (laughs) The friendship was so good and she had her badass moments and 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 just ah so good. Bursting out of the luggage. As a bear. As a bear. Oh my god. And like the the contrast of like the scene where Cassie is almost dying and then like Lords gets to her in the final moment to like the very next scene we jump into is Rachel like imagine when I was gonna spend money at the mall and like she <laughs> I loved it when she threw it to Marco too like do you know what shopping means to me and Marco's like you're gonna drop some serious cash at the mall and she's like I was gonna drop some serious cash at the mall <laughs> like I loved that interaction yes. too. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> it's so good. It was. Oh, yeah, and the friendship, I could feel it the whole time. I loved that Cassie kept, like, referring back to, like, what would Rachel do in this scenario? Yeah. And then, like, she would not always go with it, but she would at least, like, think about what they would all do. Yeah. Oh. Let's gush over Tobias. Tobias. He didn't do very much, but I still love him. Ah, okay. He smiled creepily at her. He smiled creepily at her. I fucking loved that when Rachel was, like, ribbing Jake and, like, making, poking fun at him, but, like, in a friendly way, that Tobias jumped in because he never does that. Yeah, that's true. Oh, and it was so cute. He could have been like, oh, come on, Rachel, like, lay off. Like, I would have done the same yeah, thing Yeah, like, whatever. let him be. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And instead he was like, no, I want to try this too. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> Uh, good good boy 
Good, good boy. Uh, let's not delay. Tell me why you are giving Axe a five. Because he's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just, just silly boy eating everything and complaining about his cheetah morph, and he mm-hmm. and like just, oh, just being perfect boy. And then when he has that cute moment with Cassie where he's like, the Chi do a very good hologram, but it would never replace you. That was so nice. I feel like he's not usually the complimentary type. He's he's just very kind of like practical and level-headed, but like, I don't know. He rarely extends kind of a nice thing like that, I feel like. So that was really nice. Yeah. I Okay. And I loved it because it didn't feel out of character either. Like, ooh, Axe would never say that. It felt like... If he did it to anyone but Cassie, yeah. I think it would have been a little weird. Yeah, but because, but, like, Cassie is the one who kind of, like, consoles mm-hmm. him when he's having a hard time. Like, I, yeah, I could see that being, you know, him returning the favor, kind of. Yeah, absolutely. And the fact that his, like, his compliment was still practical. Like, that she did extremely, have yeah. no fear. Their hologram was perfect. But you are still my friend. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I loved that so much. Uh, peak acts four. Let's talk about why we're giving Marco a five. Because <laughs> he drove something badly, which is the best kind of Marco. That is the best kind of Marco. He drove something badly and he immediately jumped in making with like Rachel making fun of herself in that. And then he also bought a lot of snacks and made the moment awkward when he came back. Yes. And I just, I love him being kind of like a, a resigned parent to Axe. Be like, yes. like, son, please don't eat the cardboard. I'm going to buy you new popcorn. Come with me. It's just like, oh my God. And then the whole scenario that must have happened while we were gushing over how cute Cassie and Jake were, where he's like, I want a bloomin' onion. Okay, I'll buy you a blooming <laughs> onion as well. I also want nachos. Fine, we'll get nachos <laughs> <Yes>. as well. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, so fucking cute. Just fucking love them. I love them so much. Okay, let's talk about Cassie. Oh my god. Just like, fucking, she's so fucking capable. I know I've said this before, but like, she's just like, so fucking good. Yeah. And there's one moment where she's like, sometimes I take risks and like sometimes I, I take more risks than like even Rachel does. And I was like, holy shit, it's kind of true. Yeah, because Rachel never would have trusted the Yerks in any scenario. And Cassie's created all these opportunities by doing it. Yeah. And that definitely would be seen as more reckless than Rachel. Yeah. In some yeah. ways, Cassie's kind of like the wild card of the group. Definitely. I could I could see that for sure. Yeah. And like, you know, Cassie saw the Marine get shot and decided she was going to go back. And I feel like Rachel might not have done that. I don't know. No, Rachel would like, it's not her people. Yeah. If he dies, that sucks. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. And I'm not dunking on Rachel. I know no. where she's coming from. Yeah. I agree. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Just like kind of new facets of Cassie. Mm-hmm. And just the fact that she had to like, you know, very blatantly like spill blood. Like even if she didn't yes. need to, like she purposefully like was shooting, you know, Hork Pajir yeah. and shit. And it's like, ah, holy shit. More 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 baggage for her. That more baggage and she also mentions the the last book, the people that she had to take out in the gas yeah. station as well. Yeah. 
Um, so there was that. And, like, she always tells us, like, I make the decision all the time to take people out when it's my friends or otherwise. And then now we see it, like, black and white. Here it is happening right in front of our eyes mm-hmm. in this book. Yeah. Yeah. And it was so intense. Yeah. And it's, like, we didn't necessarily need the the moment where she, like, breaks down crying over it to know that, like, this is going to take a huge toll on her. Um, yeah, that's, it was, like, it was written so well so that in the moment you could tell it was taking a toll on her, but she was able to, like, shove it aside and say, but I have to do this now, which yeah. is something that, like, she's not been capable of before. Yeah. Uh, which is probably terrible, actually, now that I'm... I mean, sometimes... I feel like there's kind of an inconsistency with, like, when she breaks down. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought it was weird in the Jake book when, yeah. you know, after that bloody battle where she was like, I'm not okay. And then other bloody battles, she's like, I'm fine. I'm still moving. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. I think it kind of varies from, from writer to writer. But I don't know. It, it didn't bother me in this book at all. No. And I, I mean, I would say that I could her breaking down at different times would be totally like not expected but like when you go through shit like that i could see that happening like where sometimes it would be after a bloody battle and she'd just have it all hit her then and sometimes it's a week later when she's sitting in a classroom at school and yeah but the problem is is we don't always have the level of writer that can write that in a believable way sometimes it's like well plot convenience thanks a lot yeah but this book was great I love Lisa Harkrader. She is not Applegate level, but she is one of the closest. Yeah. Yeah. Does Lisa come back? Um, is that a spoiler I'm allowed to tell you or not? I don't I don't think so. Does that like, does that fall under I'm allowed? Like I know Applegate wrote the last like couple of books, I think. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well we see Lisa Harkrader again. Sweet! Yeah. Yay! like it i'm so excited <laughs> we are in the last like 10 books two three yes, four five six seven eight nine we are 10 and then elemis chronicles but fuck yes shit my god we're there Ugh. it's happening no make it stop i can't oh, no can you imagine if we recorded, edited, posted all of these for two goddamn years, and then we were like, well, can't do the last ten books, because we don't want to. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God. Fuck. How about any closing thoughts on this book? Are we good? Yeah, I'm good. I loved it. It was great. I loved it. It was great. And those are our closing arguments. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for coming to our TED Talk. Welcome to our trial that we have created in this space. We are both the judges, the juries, and the executioners. Yay. Welcome. Uh, All right, then. I guess if you want to judge, jury, or execute, you can email me at anonymousanimorphs at gmail.com. You can check me out on Facebook and send me a message on the Animorphs Anonymous page or join our super secret, super awesome group, which is facebook.com slash group slash Animorphs Anonymous, where if you post your judge, juries, and executions, people will respond to you. And it is excellent because I love everybody there. Yeah. They are all cool. Yes. Yeah. That group's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, you can check out the shitty things I do on Instagram at Animorphs Anonymous. <laughs> And you can tweet at us at Animorphs Anon. 
Uh, and you can also find our podcast on all of the podcast hosting sites. We are on Spotify, Google Play, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, Podcast Republic, Podbean, the works. Yeah, but Casey, what if I want visual media like comics to read? Oh, well, I can help you with that. I have a webcomic. It's called Beside You. You can check it out at bsideyoucomic.com. I am updating every Wednesday, so please go look at it with your face. Your whole face. Yeah. Not just part of it. Yeah, put your whole face on the screen. Exactly. And just mush it around (laughs) until you've read it. (laughs) Oh, God. I guess we're just gonna, like, cut to black out of here and end up at, like, a mall scene and then, like, end it. Uh, I'm just so... I don't know. I had nothing. I tried to have something and I had nothing. I was trying to think of a kangaroo pun. <laughs> Let's bounce! Let's b- Oh, no! Perfect. <laughs> okay, bye! Bye!